it's gonna be awkward. <laughs> Two, one, boom. This is the finale. In the den for episode 10. No. This is the finale. We're, we're in episode 11. Episode 11, damn it. <laughs> we, had, we had 10 guests. We had 10 guests. Up. No, but that was a good rhyme for, yeah, for the next it's season. Kinda, now that I'm thinking about it, 10? it did sound a lot like last week, so shit. Yeah, but um, anyways, we've got our finale episode, and this episode is special because it ties pretty much everything Full circle for the in, literally the entire birth of the show. Like even back. going back to the interview with you on the Socially Awkward podcast before we even started Awkward MMA. We've been bringing up this guest. And every guest up until pretty much, I think we've only had like maybe, no, I think it's been every week your name's been brought up at least once. Well, let's introduce Yeah, him. so this is none other than my first coach, Master Paul McGowan. Woo. Welcome, dude. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, it's Much more than my first coach, by the way. So Mentor. You yeah. got... Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, like you're, you're a lot of people's coaches, <laughs> owner of the gym, Chandler MMA. So, so there's a lot going. to teach you how to say the word, for fuck's sake, properly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, dude. That was the foundation of his Connor impression. Had to be exactly. with you. Just ingrained <laughs> in my head. Yeah. What uh, are you talking about? <laughs> you got it down, though. Nailed. Uh, all right. The thing with these mics, got to be close to them. Just like that. All right, dude. Let's get into some questions. All right. Let's get into it. So, uh... I, I guess the, the, the best first question where we have to start is, is where did it start from you? Because you were not from here originally, correct? I am from another world. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I left, or I'm from Ireland, obviously, and I left there when I was 18 and I came to the States. But it started long before that. When I was seven, I, I, I vaguely remember, uh, but I was told that I was kind of getting bullied in school and my grandfather brought me down to the local boxing club. And then I went. That was it. That was the start of it. Fell in love? And, uh, yeah, I either liked getting punched or someone punching me, one or the other, or <laughs> yeah. punching them or whatever way it went. And I just stayed doing that for years and years. And at the same time, then I dabbled into Kempo and Kyokushin and karate was big. And kickboxing was kind of big in Europe as well at that time. Um, and then when I was 18, I came to the States. And I, I emigrated to New York. And started immediately in Taekwondo and Hapkido and kickboxing. And kind of kept that going until I came out to Arizona. And the kickboxing I was good, but I knew I was missing something, you know. I could move pretty good and all that stuff. But And, I, and, and well, where I really knew I missed something was being in New York for 10 years managing a college bar. And mm -hmm. then definitely knew what worked and what didn't work. Five foot six, 160 pounds, and I got to tell big ass American, <laughs> get the fuck out right. of the bar. Yeah. And they look at me like this and go, no. Yeah. So what works and what doesn't work, you, you know right away, you know. I mean, there's artistic styles and realistic styles in martial arts, and there's thousands of styles. And you got to figure out what works for in reality or not. Hapkido for me, a combative Hapkido and kickboxing work very, very well together. Well, that's important because this is way before like the UFC was was so mainstream or any any professional fighting was before, so mainstream. And so it's all functionality, you know, yeah. like figuring out literally what works in the street versus not yeah. is a is a completely different line of thinking than a lot of people think about as yeah. now as they're getting into the sport to try to get into the UFC. And that's the biggest thing. You said the word sport, and that's yeah. what it is. It's a sport. There's a difference between a sport with rules and regulations and referee and an area where you can go and not go and that's matted and it's safe and there's ropes or there's a cage or whatever it may be versus the street where there's not and there's concrete and there's glass and there's snow and there's ice mm -hmm. and there's curbs, everything, curbs and you know, and there's car windows that you can put people's head through and get your teeth stomped <laughs> out. <and shit>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
was it, uh, stuff like that. Was it easy to adapt? I mean, since you already knew so many styles going into that line of work, did you, I mean, were, were there some times where you got your ass whooped and then had to go, okay, I got to do this differently? Or yeah, was it just I mean, like, there was a lot of that. Absolutely. I, I go for surgery actually on Thursday for um, cataract. I'm young for cataract, but a cataract and also retinal damage. And one of them was from a, a kick in the face. That was for sure. Mm. A kick in the face. Um, from the street fighting from days? From the street fighting days, yeah. And it's just repair that has to be done, you know, yeah. so I don't lose this eye completely. Right. Um, when I came to Arizona, I came out here after being in that line of industry for years and wanted to open up my own place. I was going to open it up in New York and I was going to take over my instructor school, which was Taekwondo and Hapkido and kickboxing. And, uh, I even gave him a deposit. I was going to do it. And then I just kind of had this epiphany, I came out here. My uncle lived out here. He was from, he's from Ireland. He works for Intel. Came out and visited him and seen the Grand Canyon and all that stuff. And I said, wow, this place is nice. You know, it's clean. You don't have the snow. You don't have the crap, the shit. It's new. And uh, we said, let's go for it. And my, my boy is 16, and he was three, almost three at the time, I think. And then my 13-year-old was in the belly on the, on the way out. And we just wow. sold it all up, packed it up, and drove across the country. Said, fuck it, let's do it. Let's just... And you here. landed in Arizona. I landed Damn. here, and I landed teaching at Chaz Turner School, which was on Val Vista and Elliott. And him and I were the same rank in Hapkido and Taekwondo, and he did kickboxing, and I did kickboxing. Uh, and he was Ryan Bader's uh, coach for oh, a okay. while, for quite a bit there. Okay. He was doing, he was doing, holding mitts for him and stuff. And him and Aaron Simpson actually come down and, and train with each other at my gym now from time to time. Oh, really? And just hold mitts for each other and stuff. So I was with him, and uh, that's the, the funny story is the, the whole polar ice thing, the ice rink. And yeah, I want to get into that. Yeah. So Chaz Turner, his brother-in-law, was is Jeff Chevalier. Okay. Chevy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there used to be a little karate thing going on in that sharp competitive omnibalance thing. I remember that. And those people were getting divorced. And they were one guy was moving back to Maine, and she was staying. That's so funny. That lady, husband and wife, they owned that. She's a massage therapist now out of Mac Colby's office, Kimmy Johnson. Wow. Oh, man. So I basically, Chaz said to me, I know you want to open up your own place. Why don't you go down and try this out and see what's there? It was like three students, right? Yeah. And uh, and then they were doing all the off-ice for the hockey teams, you know? I didn't know shit about off-ice. I was just <laughs> you know, a little bit more hardcore. Work, push the shit yeah. out of them, you know? Make them <laughs> accountable and give them the fighter kind of like, oh, let's go hard. All the time and they loved it so they got rid of that dude and kept me on and that is so crazy yeah, i remember that, that i remember that happening because i was there when i first started playing hockey at that polar ice it was when um that whole room used to be like a pro shop you know yeah, you used to buy equipment that. there yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it trans uh, transformed into this gym when yep. they sold to desert schools and that sharp guy was there and i That's just right. remember him being Jeff like, sharp fucking weird dude <laughs> yeah and then yeah. all of a sudden you come in and then they're doing martial arts in there and then everybody started doing all their um their off ice yeah. there and it was like it was so transformative because it was like the first time that there was like that discipline from a different a different standpoint versus just hockey and you know i would definitely make the guys accountable because i took the martial arts approach to it and i made them respect me and right off the bat i gained respect and my name is master mcgowan that's it you yeah. fucking say it pal or get the fuck out i mean know? i don't even know if i've ever called you paul or anything i think i've always called you master mcgowan even when i was a little kid i think and then yeah. that just happened it just kept going and going when you think about it back then if you were 24 you were 10 or 11 years old right yeah so that's how it was. That's just the way it went. Young and, I, pup. and I tried to keep everybody in line back then because they were little fuckers. Well, yeah. well, and a, lot, a lot of kids still are, I imagine. Do sure. You, do you still do any any work with any hockey teams or anything? Not teams as much anymore, but individuals. Yeah. Uh, I worked a lot with a kid, Patrick Murphy, and he ended up going to Canada and mm. playing up there. And he's up there now. And every time he comes home, he typically comes in and works with me now. And, and that happened for a while, and then slowly it kind of phased out. Um, but we are contracted with the DV club team now. Okay. Oh, we have okay. been for the last three years. That's oh. cool. And we have a core and fitness class four days a week, and they are allowed to come in and take that, obviously, and we contract through DV, Desert Vista. That's awesome. Yeah. When yeah. did you guys leave uh, the rink? 
I think we were in the rink for almost eight years, the guts of eight years, and um, they were great. I mean, they were awesome times. It was small. It was only 2,000 square feet. Built-in air conditioning. You didn't have to pay a fucking goddamn electric bill. Because yeah. right? <laughs> it was always cold, but it was yep. good for working out. And, uh, yeah, we we, ha- we started with two students, and both of them stayed up till about a year ago. Wow. Like almost 14 years. Wow. Uh-huh. Very first one that came in the door. Stayed till almost last year, and now he's a chef locally, and he does pretty good. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he's a good kid. So we left... The ice den got bought out. Well, right. it, or sorry, the polar ice got bought out by a guy called Reggie Fowler first. They went to shit. And then the ice den came in and bought it off of him. And then they thought we were too violent. <laughs> <laughs> that was the word from from the ice den, you know, that they didn't want us in there and that it wasn't didn't fit with their business model. Mm-hmm. Stupid bastards yeah. have never, have f- five different businesses gone in there since. And not one of wow. them have stayed. Wow. They all they turn over, constantly turning over. That's so brutal. it was really a good marriage for a long time because you know, you bring families into the ice rink and the guy kid skates and after six months he hates it. Well then it was something else for him to do. Yeah. It kept business in there, it kept people coming in. And if people got peed off doing martial arts with me, it was so oh, let's go skate. I mean a lot of our students became hockey players and figure skaters and all that jazz. It's such know? a great, great marriage just in general, the two sports. And I wish they were way closer. You know what I mean? Yeah, they weren't They weren't saying it's too violent and stuff like that. Just because, like, I feel like of a lot of, even for hockey, when you're in the higher levels and you, and you are fighting, knowing those basic levels, I'm sure, would have helped you a ton. Uh, just knowing yeah. body movement and clinch work sure. and just being able to. Absolutely. Like, and then that discipline, like like I say, because uh, I my first encounter with you is I was playing for the Polar Bears Bantam team, and then we were doing the core and fitness on Wednesdays with you there, right. the, the dryland stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think it was Colin Quinn on my team who was doing jujitsu with you. Quinny, yeah. Yeah, and then he he just and then I had the knee surgery, and then he's, when I was he's, done, I he's a big tall it. big tall kid now. Is he? I haven't I haven't talked to him. Yeah, in years. he's really tall, big kid now. I remember him crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, I do a little <laughs> squat jumps, and he's like, what do I do anymore? <laughs> <laughs> squat jumps I've suck, been man. there. Yeah, these little bouncy hops up and down, you know. I remember you? running Fucking sparring, though, whenever up. I was sparring, I'd run and, <laughs> and always jump onto the, the, the rubber part of the mats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, we had um, our mom one time, we, she got real upset with us when we were... When we obviously we were younger, but we were getting fight with each other. She pulled over to the side of the road, and it was like she just left one of your classes, a kickboxing class, like a mom's kickboxing class, and then she <laughs> starts fucking teep kicking <laughs> Makudu's Island. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and he and I went from laughing uh, at each or being like almost ready to kill each other and throw each other out of the car to start just dying laughing. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> to funny. Release the steam. But it worked, and it was just, like, the first we'd ever heard of it. That's cool. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah, so the gym now, um, at what, what's the uh, – What's been the the growth plan? Do you are you, are you looking to have like a huge fight team or No, I'm 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 not. I know I don't think we're ever going to be that big fight school or fight gym and I don't think that's our business model. I don't think that's us in general. Right. I think we're a family school first and foremost and we're and hence where we've kept, we, we, we have a good retention ratio. When we get people, we kind of hold on to them mm-hmm. for a long time because they like the environment and what's going on. Right. Because it's not a typical fight gym. It's not a, uh, and, and it's not a meathead gym either. You know, it's not full of testosterone and guys, crazy stuff. We do a lot of kids. We got, we developed a tiger tie system for Muay Thai for kids, put a little belt system into it for them. And the kids are loving it. And we still teach Taekwondo, but it's phased out a lot over the years. Now it's really Muay Thai, Muay Thai, Muay Thai, you know, and it's, but it's Muay Thai with a striking Taekwondo kickboxing flavor to it as well. Mm. It's not just straight traditional Thai either. And a lot of people like it. And really, you think about it in a in a gym like ours, it's 0.5% are going to compete. Sure. The option is always there for you to compete, whether it's in jiu-jitsu, wrestling, um, or Muay Thai, um, kickboxing, MMA, whatever you want to do. You're always welcome to compete. And we have fighters-only classes, but it's definitely 
a small portion of what we do. Right. That's it. And it always will be. We're more on the fitness level and self em- self-empowerment level. How, how much does that give you freedom to be able to work as like a, a I guess, consigliere with other other teams and other organizations? Well, you know, the Don is yeah. a <laughs> The fucking Irish Don. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just it's it's nice to know that people will look out there for me. I had I had a great opportunity, and I, and been in the, been in the business for a long time, from Chaz Turner to Jason Brass at Jab Fitness and Brandon Spencer, uh, to to Roman, um, and the guys up at Fight Ready, um, Tiago Azaredo in Seton Gym, Danny Brandt at Dan's Gym, Eric Kick. Eric Kitz, uh, Kitzman in um, Arizona kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, Gerson uh, from Roots BJJ. I'm giving lots of shout outs to all you fuckers right <laughs> yeah. now. Uh, Jay Pages. You know, there's there's just, you. once you're in the industry for a while, you know uh, a lot of people yeah. and they get to know you. And so, and, and then when you do compete in certain things and they see some of your guys are doing well, obviously. People want to ask questions and maybe they want to train with you or they want to pick your brain for knowledge or whatever it may be, you know. I think the big opportunity for me came last year when, um, you know, the former uh, COO at Fight Ready, Colt Stevens, contacted me and said that John Long and Roman and, and these guys who know me have been talking about my system. What happened with those guys was uh, Henry was supposed to fight uh, TJ, and right. there was a bang Muay Thai system in Fight Ready at the time. Yep. And I guess they didn't want it to keep doing the bang Muay Thai system. And maybe Dwayne didn't want them to. I don't know if what, what really happened there, but they weren't going to do it anymore anyways. Right. So, so Colt uh, knew that we had a curriculum devised, just like bang. Well, we'd obviously, a lot longer than he's been doing it. We've been not, not saying doing it, obviously, but I'm saying curriculum-wise. We have a structured curriculum. And a, and a system that you can build, whether it's uh, you give out belts or you give out projects or you give out um, T-shirts or however way people want to do it. It doesn't matter. Right. It's just it's a matter of building the individual and getting them the basics of Muay Thai down right. or a striking system mm. and so they can get better and better and better and better and better at it. And they see a, they get a tangible result for their effort. Uh-huh. That's what's really great about it. And that's where the empowerment comes in. And then a lot of times. Literally most of our kids that went through our Muay Thai system and got their Muay Thai, I will not let you wear Muay Thai shorts in my school unless you either fight and you earn them that way and you win or you go through our system and you do a 12-hour endurance exam after two or three years of learning all the curriculum. And then I'll give you the, uh, I'll give you, gift you your shorts and then you can wear them after that. But otherwise someone cannot just walk in off the street and wear Muay Thai shorts. Damn. I hold that as, as the level of a black belt. Yeah. That's what I think it should be. And that's why I, I, I do that. And some people don't, and some people do. There's a lot more people doing it. John Jones got a black belt. They say in Muay Thai, they say there's no black belt in Muay Thai. Well, what's wrong with evolution? Right, right. What's wrong with things evolving? You yeah. know, uh, Rafael Cadero gave a black belt out, gives black belt out from King's MMA. Yeah. You know, that guy's a f- legend in the striking industry, you know? Mm-hmm. So, former shooter box. So, the, you're... you're it's, I think it's okay to do things, and business is business. Anyways, if I'm doing something good and, and I'm charging for it and that person is is loving it and they want more of it, then it's a marriage made correctly. Yeah. Then it's not bad or it's not wrong or it's not in, it's just indifferent to maybe what the norm does. Yeah, there's that value in it. If it's good for, if it's good for you, it's good for them. It's good for everything there. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing that just because yep. society says well, one Especially thing. the impact, though, that it makes... Uh, I mean, I don't know about for an adult, just for when I started, but for sure, kids and, and teens, like, that is so huge to know mm-hmm. that you you did do something right. You did go through a system. This is, you You got something that you worked for. Yeah, and, and you that, empower that, that individual. You know, you give them the tools and the knowledge to know that they can have a better chance of defending themselves in the real world against the average Joe who knows nothing. Knowledge is just power, right? Mm-hmm. And you, then this is where I go back to Fight Ready um, with, with Roman and these guys. Then they contracted me and they purchased my Muay Thai curriculum and I sold it to them. And then I trained the guys. So I trained Anthony, and Derek, and John, and Roman, and Peter. 
And they all came down and they trained a couple of times a week for about six or seven months leading up to the test. And they did the whole test. Damn. And they will tell you that it was one of the hardest things they've ever done in their lives. And you're talking about former UFC fighter, Roman, and current Bellator yeah. fighter, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. And he's in great shape. The guy's phenomenal. Yeah. He's yeah. off the charts, Always. right? But he said that was definitely one of the hardest things done. And for him, I made them get up. I make everybody go to a banquet afterwards. Whether you're a child or an adult, you have to get up and give an acceptance speech. Mm. And it can be a minute long or it can be 10 minutes long. It's up to you. So they got up and they gave a speech and they gave some fantastic speeches about how they wish they could take a lot of the things that we have in our gym and bring it into their gym. So that's where the connection kind of came in. And... Uh, now that John Long has established the Friday night fight uh, uh, sparring with local gyms, we're trying to get more and more gyms in on it, and we just all get together on Friday nights and go to different locations. A an instructor shows a technique or two, and then they spar, and it's awesome. Um, so there's, there's yeah. a nice little marriage made there, you know? Such a way for everyone to grow and... And help and each other out and know right. that. And, and it's so funny, you know, Jerry just fought the other night, uh, unfortunately, from Fight Ready, and he lost, as you know. Uh, but he fought one of our guys... Uh, oh, yik really? yak and beat them mm -hmm. but those guys spar each other almost every friday night now yeah and they talked about that and when they're good, was on the show and they're good buddies yeah they're yeah. fine that's you know? awesome it's and it's it's going to happen but that's the difference between competition when you talk about the fight or reality or yeah. the street it's not the street it's a sport and you have to respect the sport and know that sometimes you're going to have to fight your buddy yeah it may happen or come oh, i you shouldn't even say fight. You should compete against your body. Sure, yeah. Competition. In hockey, know? that that was a, a super common thing that, like, you, you were always worried about having to fight one of your buddies. And then afterward, though, you just go and have a beer with them. Same way you do sparring. You know, it's just business. And yeah. That is what competition. Is. Competition is competition, you know? Yep. So I think that allows me to... Um, and then I, I think it's what's what's important is if you do the right thing by, by guys, you have... Um, you gain the respect, right, right. you know. Roman brought me to Ireland um, as a cornerman. They were sh they were shy on some corner guys. They had a lot of fights going on at the same time, and of course he was fighting an Irish guy. So he thought of me and was like, "Hey, would you would you go along?" I said, yeah, "Absolutely, of course I would." So we, me and the boy, I brought the boy with me, and we had a nice little four days in Ireland. And nice. It was it was pretty it was fast, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. How often do you go? Do you get to go to Ireland often? Or yeah, I try know? and go every year. I was just there in June, and I did an Ironman over there. So oh, wow. I did a full distance Ironman over there in June, and then when I got back, I didn't think I was going to go so fast again, but it worked out. You know, been back. Um, we're getting kind of close. So let's just do our break now, and then um, we'll come back. Break. Sounds good. We're back. All right, where were we, Easy? We were, well, we were talking about <laughs> you being out in Ireland, but my question was, since you said you did an Ironman out there, and obviously you don't still fight or compete, how much is doing marathons? Because you're doing those like every weekend and, and all kinds <laughs> of races. Weekend, you're doing a lot, but is that like a, is that a fun way for you to still get that competitive? Or yeah. do you just do it for the health? And For me, absolutely. Um you know, I told you I had issues with my eye, and I've always had some stuff. And I, you know, had – I got hit pretty good a few times. Uh, and when I was younger, too, I got hit with a crowbar in the head. And um, I was told I really can't – I shouldn't compete. I shouldn't be getting hit in the head. So there's, like, white things up there. Or I don't know. So whatever. So I, I had thought about it, but against doctor's uh, um, kind of advice, it's not, it wasn't a good thing for me to do it. But, I, I mean, I sparred for a long time, and I sparred pretty good. I used to go over to, to jab and spar Jason Bress a lot, and it was awesome. I enjoyed it for, for years. But there comes a point then when, you know, you get, you're getting older. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, some people, if you continue to do it regularly and you're consistently at it all the time, it's not, it may not be as bad on your body. You might, your body might get beat up a little bit, but your body's also used to it at the same time. When right. it's not used to it and you're a little bit older and you want to jump into it, you know, it's not as easy on you, I think. Yeah. So in the mid-40s right now, I think this is a good way for me to stay in shape without getting injured or getting hurt. And I really I do it more for um, uh, charity, the charity side of a thing. I, I give a plug to Together We Live. Together We Live is a nonprofit um, that helps children and adults with IDD, intellectual and developmental disabilities, mm. mentally and physically handicapped people. 
So uh, part of my run yesterday, right, I had that big 20-mile run to prepare for Ironman in three weeks' time, Arizona. But part of that was then picking up my girl, who's uh, who I'm partnered up with for the last five years. She's 21. She's 21 years old, and she can can't walk. You know, she's in, she's in a wheelchair her whole life, in cerebral palsy, literally. And then I ran seven miles pushing her in the chair yesterday. So wow. I've taken her over the line for countless half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, and actually a full marathon. I pushed her over the line for a full marathon, too. I did a triathlon about a month ago with her down at Tempe Town Lake on my own. So I put her and her mom in the raft, tied the raft to my waist. I swam a mile, about 1.2 miles. I got off, I lifted her out and, and put her in a chair, the chair on the back of the bicycle and cycled 25 miles and then took her out of that and put her in the chair and then ran with her. Wow. wow. So for that me, so cool. that's more important. That's where I'm staying and that's what I'm staying in shape for more than anything. It's knowing that I can give back to somebody else and take whatever athletic abilities I still have at this age and give it back. And I think that's, that's awesome. That's what, so yesterday we met at Tempe Town Lake for a, a team run and uh, we had eight teams out there with eight chairs. So it was really wow, cool. Wow. We raised the money for the chairs and uh, we, we compete in about eight races every year. So racing season has just started and the three TV half marathon and 10 Ks this coming weekend. And there's a lots of our guys out there doing that. That is That's so cool. cool. Yeah. How long have you been doing marathons and triathlons and all that? Uh, I was 38 when I did my first marathon. Okay. Um, so about six years. That was it, really. Six years? I was I was sparring regularly up till then and really training hard. Was it right into the charity stuff? And then it was, it wasn't right in, it was it was, it was was uh, a goal. I wanted to run a marathon. So you got to run yeah. a marathon before I'm 40, right? Yeah. So I did that and I was like, all right, it wasn't too bad. I want I want to do an Ironman now before I'm forty. So yeah. that was like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it still is. It was like fucking scary as shit. That stuff. It's hard because it's a, just a long day. You know, yeah. you're just going nonstop yeah. all fucking day. So two point four miles. Well, it was, it was. I signed up in November of thirteen for November of fourteen. She signed up a year beforehand. Yeah. And uh, the fuckers rob your money. It's like seven hundred and fifty bucks oh, wow. to race an Ironman. Wow. Really Damn. expensive. They get a and free t-shirt? You get a t-shirt and you get a medal. That's <laughs> it. <Nice. laughs> and you put yourself through fucking torture. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an expensive sport. It's really expensive. So you're talking about the swim gear, run gear, bike gear, bikes, all this type of stuff, really expensive stuff. Coaches, you know. Yeah. Mm. So um, Discipline but, is And then too. discipline. I couldn't swim one length of a pool in January of 14. Wow. I was getting swim lessons really? at gold medal swim school. I couldn't swim. Wow. Could not swim. Wow! And by this, by November of that year, I did two sprints, two Olympic, two halves, and one full Ironman in eleven months. Wow! I was slow as shit in the water, but I made but up for it. Elsewhere. When I got on the bike and get on the run, I can kind of get going then a little bit better, you know. But fuck, I just sink like a rock. Do you swim better now, or a little bit, but yeah, a lot better than I used to. But not not like some of the guys. Yeah, they fucking fly. Man, that is, that's such a cool thing. I think we're, we start to see more and more people in, in mixed martial arts that do this sort of training. You know, Diaz, yeah. uh, Diaz is probably the most famous and yeah. You, athlete. Yeah, you've seen that definitely with the McGregor fight. He knew he was not gassed enough. And, and then McGregor started his fast program. And then McGregor was shown out on the bike out right. in the desert cycling and doing all this type of stuff. You know? Yep. So I think it's a... I think it's great. I mean, one of my guys that was has been worked for me for eleven years, Renee. He he fought, and uh, when he was sore or tired or he was in fight camp, um, I would bring him to the pool instead, and we would mm. get into the pool, and I would make him do five hundred kicks on each leg under the water, developing strength, but without the with resistance, but with safe resistance. You right. know what I mean? Or punching under the water and all that type of stuff. Not taking all the tear. Yeah, and... it's great. It's great recovery workouts for you, so you can do a lot of stuff like that. Right. And the biking is 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 a lot better than running obviously but look running has been around forever and every boxer and fighter in the world runs you gotta run yeah well, that it. was the only thing for me to even till like i started actually losing weight wasn't even until i started running i tried diet i tried biking i tried literally yeah. everything i was like all right fuck it i'm just gonna actually try running yeah sure enough that's the, the comes only off. thing i was missing yeah you were a chunker when you were yes, young. Yes, I was. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll grab fucker. some picture after this. <laughs> I, too. I remember. I got you. Yeah. I got some great pictures for you. But those, uh, 
Yeah, dude, that's uh, the, those training methods. Running is, is there's just nothing that compares to that. Like even and, stairmaster, and ninety percent of fighters don't like it. Right, yeah. and and you you say to them, look, you got to be self motivated. Get your ass out there and hit the trails, hit the roads. You got to do the get the road work in. You know, yeah, have to do it. You see the greatest guys in the world out there, Floyd Mayweather, and he's just mm. out running at three in the morning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's 50 and 0 for a reason, right? Yeah. You got to put that work in. Yeah. That's it. There's no way around it. You have to do it. It's the one thing, no matter how talented you are, you can't get by on just talent alone. Yeah. You yeah. cannot because your gas tank will suffer in the second or the third round then, even if your talent keeps you alive. Right. You have to put the hard work in. There's no fucking way around it, you know? That's true. Yeah. You, go ahead. Oh. I was going to ask you because you had mentioned yesterday a little bit how you have your uh, you have a really strict schedule for your fight team. Yeah. How does that what what does that kind of look like for the fighters? And do you are you with them while they're running? Do you have to watch them and then do you take them with? Or Sometimes you, or we will send someone with them. If okay. someone's not competing, we send an old older kid, older guy or mom or dad or whoever wants to if they're gone running. So basically they run 2.6 miles on a, on a Tuesday and on a Thursday. And then we'll have someone going on a bicycle with them, especially if we're going at 6 o'clock in the evening in the wintertime. It's dark. And if anyone's lagging behind, especially if they're kids, you got to make sure they're okay. So you always send someone with them. Um, and it's just a, a run, but when it's sprinting on Mondays and Wednesdays, then I'm with them. I'm out mm. there. I'm calling it. I'm pushing them. I'm telling them which way to go, how to sprint, da 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 da. And then we're just bursting, getting that anaerobic burst with everything they can. Bring them, bring them down as quick as we can in a minute, and then bring it back up again. It's the old school method of probably what like neuroforce guys are doing now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just the old school method of hard work and yeah. pushing the kid. You know. Well, Fucking dry land days. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. Famous, that's well, I mean, what it is. You also mentioned, too, that if uh, something, if a uh, fighter doesn't show up or if they miss. Oh, yeah. So, card, if you, right? yeah. Well, you're on a schedule. So, we say, okay, uh, fight, fight camp has started. And it's six weeks out from competition, especially if we have three or four or five entering a tournament or something's going on. And uh, we give them a schedule. And that's it. So when they come in, they sign in. And um, if they miss, if they don't sign in, and we check it after the second week, then we're going to say what's going on. You know, you were supposed to be here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We were supposed to spar on Fridays in different gyms. You know, it's kind of optional, but it's very, it's really encouraged. Um, and then Saturdays, we usually would run the mountains as well. So if you're missing, I want to know why. You got to tell me. Or if I have to go and ask you. It's not that good for you, right? Because then I'm going to say, obviously, your heart's not in it. Right. Ah, it's just it's too much work at school. There's too much of a job, the wife, the kids, whatever it may be. I don't give a fuck, right? It's I, I do, but I don't. If you want to do it, then do the job, right? Yeah. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. It's okay. You don't have to compete. I'm not pushing people to compete. I want to give them the opportunity to compete is there for them if they want to do it. And if somebody shines, especially, you can look at them in class and go, Man, you know, the coaches would get together and we'd say, damn, like, the freaking, that kid's awesome. That, they should compete or that dude's really good right away. We should try and get them to see that they want to compete. And uh, sometimes they'll say, no, I just love it, but I don't, I don't want to compete. Fair enough. That's your, that's your prerogative, you know. Did you get any ideas of, of putting these sort of camps together for, for your school around doing team dry land stuff? team workouts and and stuff for for other sports Mm, i i would say or vice versa more vice versa than anything i'd say it was more my martial arts and and workouts and work ethic and stuff that we were doing as kids growing all the way up moving to this country and even in new york the workouts we did went into the dry land more than anything Mm -hmm. i would bring that to dry that with i didn't know anything about hockey i can't skate i've never skated in my life i've never put on skates right Right, ever. I just conditioned the dudes. Um, so I didn't know anything about it. But I knew there was a similar uh, body mechanics have to work. You have to explode right off the line. The first three, three steps are the most important in hockey, and you got to be able to go really quick, and you got to work the, the glutes, and you got to work the legs and the hamstrings and, and all the rest of that stuff, and have a good, strong, tight core so you're not getting muscled around in the corner. And there's, no, there's nothing different than fighting fighting it's the same thing if you right. want to explode you got to go in and hit your combo pa 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 and then get out and move and take your angles and all the rest of that stuff and pa 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 you have to go up and down and up and down and bring that anaerobicness into an aerobic environment you know right. very similar to hockey 
And you think you're doing it in 45 second shifts on the ice and you're doing it for two minutes or three minutes or five minutes, depending on the event, whether it's MMA or it's Muay Thai or it's amateur or it's pro or whatever it may be, you know? Right. So when did, uh, when did Muay Thai actually start, start for you? Uh, I'd say realistically when I hit Chaz Turner's school in, in, um, when I moved out to Arizona, like 13, 14 years ago, and I was teaching there, and we were really a lot of kickboxing, but then he was throwing in the elbows with it, and he was training with Rick Rufus at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rick the Jet, and so there was a little bit of Muay Thai there, obviously, and then really it went more so with Jason Bress for me. That was like six years or seven years. I was with them at LA Boxing before they bought Jab Fitness out, he was one of the, um, he was a Macaulay brother, pupil and student. Uh, he was also a good, he's a great boxer too. One of his um, coaches was a phenomenal, famous boxer. I forget his name, Gennaro, uh, who passed away. He was, he, I think he fought Floyd Mayweather or Oscar De La Hoya, And that was his boxing coach. So he is great. Mm-hmm. He has good hands and good stuff. So I sparred him for about six years. And we were sparring probably three times a week consistently. Wow. Yeah. And That's he gave cool. me my Muay Thai shorts. That's cool. Yeah. What, uh, what, what was it? What is the Bruce Lee certification you had in the gym? So probably for 10 years, uh, myself and some of the other coaches at my gym, we got in touch with a guy called Richard Bastillo. Uh, he's passed away now two years. And Richard Bastillo was one of Bruce Lee's original students. And he has an academy in Torrance, California called the IMB Academy, International Martial Arts and Boxing or it was in Asanto, Martinez, and Bustillo. And, of course, Dan, Dan and Asanto became very famous. Um, he, he, he's still alive, and he's in California now and has his own place. But it was himself and Richard and Martinez were business partners for almost 40 years together. Wow. And they kept Bruce Lee's um, teaching methods and philosophy alive while evolving it all the same. So... Got in touch with him, and we went out for an instructor's conference, and we trained with him then a couple of times a year, every year ever since, and until he passed away. And we still will go out there now. His senior students have taken over the gym and the school, you know. Well, we would go out there and train for a week solid, and we would do on Monday, we might do trapping drills from Wing Chun from Bruce Lee. On Tuesday, we might do catch wrestling and jujitsu. On Wednesday, we would do boxing and Muay Thai. On Thursday, we would do uh, the Filipino arts, and Kali and Eskrima, oh, knife. Wow. And then cool. on Friday, we would do practical self-defense stuff. Like, I mean, and you're talking about they would bring in top-level guys to help teach as well. And I mean, wow. Richard himself knew had 40 years of it. But he would pick some of the stars and, and bring them in. So right. he had, um, for boxing, he had uh, Brian Valorial, the Hawaiian punch. He's a world champion. Um, I think he was a featherweight or, or even lighter than that champion. And he would come in and do boxing with us. He would bring in Felix Roles. They call him the Mike Tyson of stick fighting. Mm. Competitively, internationally, he would compete all over the world in stick fighting. And he would fuck you up with sticks, man. <laughs> you fucking mean ass what, Filipino. What, like, what size uh, sticks? Like like screamer sticks, eighteen inches long. Oh, okay. Fuck you up with that stuff, man. That shit would wow. fuck you up. And you think that's bad? Then if you had a knife, oh fuck, oh, yeah. dangerous bastards. You fucking Filipinos are nuts. <laughs> and then then he'd bring in. Um, uh, there's two gyms in the country from Thailand and that made that are famous. Um, and one of them became uh, became more famous than the other, and it's Mark Delagradi's gym in Boston. Okay. God, it's in the tip of my tongue now. I can't f- think of the fucking name of the gym now. It's killing me. Anyways, the other gym is in L.A., and that guy would come in and he would do Muay Thai with us. He's fucking eight-time Muay Thai champ. Fuck you up. He's got the fucking mohawk, <laughs> old boy, Just tough as shit. And he'd come in and teach Muay Thai to us. So you'd have a you'd have pro world champion boxer. You'd have pro world champion Muay Thai guy. You'd have pro stick fighter come in. We had uh, Golkar Chevechin come in for jujitsu and judo and leg locking. The guy's nasty. He's really really good. And then they'd bring in the head of the SWAT team, the LA SWAT team, and they would come in and do practical self defense and cool. stuff like that with us wow. as well. So we did that for year upon year after year a year. And the philosophy behind it was you find your own Jeet Kune Do. And people always think that Jeet Kune Do is a set style and a set series of techniques, and it's not. It's a concept. And basically, we're all 
if you're a martial artist, you're all Jeet Kune Do practitioners. You just have to find what works for you. Mm. What is your Jeet Kune Do? What do you do? So for me, we have Chandler MMA. We have, I want to encompass, person should know how to use a weapon. Uh, they should know how to strike. They should know how to lock up, whether it's trapping or it's uh, really tight quarter joint manipulation and self-defense from this type of stuff to um, going on the ground and having mm. wrestling and jujitsu. So you got to be well-rounded. You got to be MMA. And that's what Bruce Lee was. He was the original MMA guy. He truly was. He believed in conditioning the body hardcore, and he believed in having the four ranges of combat and knowing them really well. Right, right. And that's what was really good, you know? So... A lot to be learned from him. Huh? A lot to be learned from him. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and the the guy, like I told you a story yesterday, him and and Mr. Inosanto and Mr. Bastillo, back in the 70s when they were researching all this Filipino arts and trying to make it popular in America, they are believed, those two men are believed Mm. to bring the Filipino arts to the United States, period. They're, They're the guys who are the legends, the... The dons of it, right? The They're the dons of that shit. They would take separate flights up and down the West Coast to train with different guys because they were afraid if the plane went down and the two of them were in it, that all that knowledge they got from Bruce Lee would be gone. That's so Damn. crazy. Dude. So to be like, okay, you fly on this that. flight and I'll go on this one and I'll meet you there. It oh, makes sense wow. though. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you, it's like well, a, you, you, who thinks you of that shit? You don't think about that with fighting. You think about that with like nuclear missile college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, dude. It's crazy shit. Uh, it's like a cartoon for like a secret recipe or something. <laughs> but yeah, that's funny as shit. That's cool, man. He's uh he's a definitely an inspiring dude. Well, and it's so cool, though, too, because another thing I want to mention, what uh, and a reason why I think that your gym has such the culture that it does is because it is so heavily inspired on an actual martial arts dojo, not just a massive fitness center like a uh, yeah, yeah, big, bo- big box gym or, or yeah, UFC gym, UFC, UFC gym, gym. <laughs> title boxing. Yeah, nine yeah. rounds. Yeah, well, I think I saw one. Of those uh, yeah, it looks and everything has their own little niche. It's not that I'm putting them down, but it's just different. You know, you're you're going to get a, a, a better environment. You're going to get real stuff. You're not getting any bullshit. You're you know, I'm not going to teach you something or, or tell you something that I know doesn't work in reality. Right. Number one, and number two, I'm going to push the shit out. Of you. You're going to get a good workout, really, and that's it. You know, and yeah. you're going to be in a good environment where we have a lot of fun. Because, I mean, if we're not smiling and laughing doing this shit, then why the fuck are we doing it? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. exactly. So it's not a job for me. I mean, I, sometimes I can't believe I get paid. I started this thing in an ice rink with, you know, two students in little karate uniforms, and here we are. Talking to you fine fellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and that's what's crazy too, though, is yeah. I think that there's a lot to learn from you and and what you've done with the business model because you have taken somewhat of a different approach in terms of mm-hmm. trying to create a gym that you're not just trying to make it a massive, you know, you're more focused on the inner workings of it all. So I think yeah. there's a lot to learn from that from you as a businessman mm. on top of it just because you've been able to grow so much so quick. Yeah, I think it helps. Um I think it helps for sure being on the ground and being in there. You know, there's too many guys that are, they own the gym or they're not there, you know. And who really has the passion for the gym? I know you see you put managers, excuse me, managers and stuff in there. But what are, you know, do they really have the same passion as you do for it then? And if you have the passion for it, why aren't you doing it? You right. Know what I mean, so. Well, that's like how we feel about these shows uh, to a degree is like we've, we got a. We do all the editing and all of the, you know, a lot of the shooting. Obviously, we have Z Hut that that helps out with some stuff. But the Arab, <laughs> but he's not an Arab. But <laughs> the name sounds Arab. I don't know <laughs> what you want from me. But he <laughs> sounds like Wahat or Glette or something. I don't know. What it is. <laughs> but but we but we like to do it and it, we learn so much doing it too that it'll help us in a bunch of other stuff. And if, if we didn't like doing that, we probably wouldn't be doing these shows. Yeah, why yeah, would you? Sure. Absolutely. Because yeah. they wouldn't make it this, with the same level that we do. So, anyways, but yeah. Um, I was going to ask something, but I'm right now forgetting it. So, if you want to ask a question while I think of what I was going to ask, or do you not have a question? Sure. Well, I was going to let you because I feel like I've been hogging up the you questions. You have been, and that's why I've forgotten. But oh, it'll come back to me. You just spit off now. All right. <laughs> Well, yeah, so you're uh, with the gym being where it is now, are you looking to switch it to? Oh, you asked me that. I didn't get back to that. So 
we're in a, a lease until June of next year in that retail center, and it's a fucking pain in the ass. It's expensive, you know, mm. to have retail. So we're looking at warehouse space facility within a mile radius. So we'll probably look for one more move. And then at that stage, um, that probably, hopefully would be the last move. I don't want to move again after that and be done with it. We ended up leaving the, the polar ice that time or when the ice den bought it. And what happened was I had bought another school in that plaza. That was a karate school, a taekwondo school. Okay. And I had the two of them going together. That guy used to come up and train with me. It was only a mile away. So I used to teach him Muay Thai and I used to teach him Hapkido. And he would bring it back down and do that same program in the in the plaza where we are at now. But he was just at the end of the plaza. Mm. So then he, I bought his and I had the two of them going at the same time. And then when the ice stand kicked us out, we brought everybody from there into that one location. And we were fucking busting at the seams. Like okay. 3,500 square feet, two gyms going in together, merging. Right. We went from 3,500 and 2,000 into 3,500. Right. It was mm, too much. Right. So I s stayed in the same plaza and I just found a 6,000 square feet, almost 6,000 where we're at now. And then we went in there. So that was kind of how that happened. But we would like to ultimately go to 10 to 15,000. I mean, really, that's what I would like. Right now, we started a wrestling program with the former. Um, high school wrestling coach for 10 years, Jim Martinez. He's a 1984 okay. bronze medalist, um, and he is a two-time Greco Hall of Fame. Guy's phenomenal. He's a gentleman, and, and he's, we're, we're extremely happy to have him because our wrestling program, since we started, has blown up. Mm. Just went huge. We just came in big numbers right away. And, uh, and we're even trying to revolutionize that a little bit and put a spin on wrestling, maybe whether it's with a, a shirt or a progression and a testing and you got to test as well and follow the same similar lines if i created something with muay thai i think i can try and do something with wrestling i had a great conversation with angel suhudo about it when we were in ireland together and he said man i love your your train of thinking he said it's never been done and i think it's great for someone to do it he thought about it but never went around to doing something like it but showing a progression chart for wrestlers inside cool. your huge. inside your academy inside your place and whether that means you come and you show up and you wrestle in uh, for practice and you wrestle in a white t-shirt and you wrestle in a gray t-shirt and you wrestle in a green t-shirt you wrestle in an orange t-shirt now you know who's what and maybe it's based off of what moves they know whether it's freestyle folk style or greco or how many matches they've won or how they're competing and doing winning or losing there could be many different ways about doing that and i think there's a there's something there for it I think opportunity. Cool. there's an opportunity i think so yeah yeah really for all of the martial arts i think that's cool just because like we were saying before, just getting that feeling of progression is mm -hmm. so huge to keep you even wanting to train even more and go yeah, further. Yeah, you get recognized for your efforts, for your hard work. I mean, I know it's not like they used to do in Japan. Yo, go, wait, I don't do that no more here, you know? So it's like, <laughs> fuck, America, they're crazy. So but like, <laughs> like that's, that's what, that's like, it is what it is. It's America. We're not in fucking Japan. We're not in fucking Thailand. And we're not in anywhere else. Yeah. We're fucking USA. True. <laughs> That's it. America. Fuck y'all. Push the button. Pull y'all to hell. Fuck you, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fucking movie stars become presidents is great. I know. Yeah. I think the rock's going to win next. Yeah, you got the rock next. Yeah. God damn. I know. But uh, and that's but that gives you the opportunity and the freedom to be able to try different things at least and see if they work. And believe me, there's things that I've done in the years that did not work and failed. And but that's part of business, and that's what you do, you know. And so we just get to a position right now where we um, and it, it, it's it's we're not comfortable. We've just established, so right. we're established. But you're constantly at it. You're constantly working to bring in a new. There's always going to be a turnover. You're going to keep so many, but. You, you you have to work on always bringing in new clientele. Well, I think a, a lot of the same thing can be said about the sport in general. You know, like uh, this sport is at the point where it's established, but it's not quite, you know, as... Uh, it's got come a long way. I've seen some major, major growth, and especially huge. in Ireland where, I've, where I come from, and I go home there, and we used to do kickboxing in a basement of a church right. and you'd pay wow. one Jeez. or two pounds as a drop-in class and there's still a lot of that now where guys are not mainstream with gyms like we have they're mm. in they're renting small facilities and you're paying by the class as you walk in you're dropping the money on the oh, counter really? yeah uh, i mean when i was over there john kavanagh from uh, sbg was opening up his big <sighs> gym called the monster 
It's like 30,000 square feet facility, oh, wow, wow. huge. It's probably the biggest one in Ireland ever now. But, you know, also when we were in Ireland for that show, that Bellator show with Ramon, that was really the John Kavanagh show. I think literally every single fighter on that card was an SBG fighter. Really? Almost every one of them. Wow. Like wow. SBG against, SBG against. Right. That was it. That's crazy. It's crazy. Imagine you filling up a, a 16,000 people stadium with just your gym almost, right? That's crazy. Yeah. So he's, he's with the growth of McGregor, obviously, that's, you know, just skyrocketed him to where he needs to be. And he's a great guy and he's a great coach and he's a good man and he's doing good work. Yeah. So, and he's empowering a lot of people too out there. But uh, the country's changed. People are working out more. People are getting mm. into it and they're using this as their form of fitness because it excites them. Right. right. It's better than going to the gym and just lifting fucking weights. It gets boring after yeah, a while. Or taking a spin class or doing this or that or the other. It changes it up. So, when you hit pads or when you wrestle or when you grapple and you do these sorts of things, it changes it up a little bit. It's yeah. better. So, gosh, well, that's huge. It's, yeah, this has been really good. Yeah. Really we good. Are, uh, yeah, we're getting close we're here getting on close. time again. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and we can't thank you enough for coming on here and spreading your wisdom and your story. And uh, mm -hmm. and, thank and thankfully, yeah. uh, I didn't piss you off too much when I was, when I was young <laughs> that I'm here to even do this. <laughs> yeah, thank God. No, it's great to see you come full circle, and it's nice to see you guys doing well and – training you when you were little kids and i'm still young enough to even train you now right yeah so that's yes. what feels good about it so i'm sure it, it won't last but we all get older but <laughs> in the meantime it's enjoyable and it's nice to see everybody when they were little kids working out and you were little shits little <laughs> fuckers and now you're doing well for yourselves it's good it's nice i like it so yeah happy. Thank thanks you. for having thank me thank you and of course thank you again yes thank you all right all right it's been fun not as awkward <laughs> kind of awkward though but we'll see you guys soon, though. Season two, actually. we got to mention that quick. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Real quick. Thanks for uh, your support this season. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any ideas for us for season two, let us know. Any guests, people that you want to see, let us know. If you want him on again, yep. yeah. bring him back. Episode one, two, you name it. All right. Uh, thank you all. We'll keep you posted. Bye. See you. Word. It's going to be awkward. <laughs>